brought to you by Integravita Wellness. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Welcome back, everybody. This is A. Gregory Luna of Integravita Wellness. You can call me Gregory. Today, I will be talking about Confession of an Obese Child number four, the locker room. I feel that the next two or three confessions, which you may find at IntegraVita.com, that is www.integravita, so integral, take off the L, and then add V-I-T-A.com, which means whole life in Latin. I feel that the next three confessions are a little more um, depressing than the other few that I've already read, uh, The Invisible Student, Fat Albert, and Why Did I Become Fat? Uh, before we begin, I do want to comment on the recent Super Bowl, 51. I must say I'm happy with the results. I am a Patriots fan. The Texans are my favorite team because I am from Houston, but I marveled at that incredible comeback in the fourth quarter, being down 28-3, and I don't know if it was more of a Falcons choke job or just the Patriots date with apotheosis and destiny that allowed them to come back for everything had to come perfect to them in that second half for them to even tie the game with a minute left. The touchdowns, the conversions of the third downs, the two two point conversions, sacking Matt Ryan, pushing them out of field goal range, getting the, 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 the coin toss and everything was just incredible. So it was an incredible Super Bowl. I am happy for Tom Brady and the D-bag that is Belichick. He is the Darth Vader, but you have to give them credit because to maintain that level of consistency over 15 years is quite impressive. And I think this is a great lesson for all of us uh, not to envy the successful. I think that it's so easy, especially when you're younger, to hate the successful or hate the rich or hate people that you think have a good life because you don't have a good life. I think this is a very lazy way to view life, and it's completely understandable when you are younger. But we should all strive for success, and we should all laud and push those to be successful. And when those, are, when those people are successful, either financially or with weight loss or finding somebody in their life that brings them happiness, we should congratulate them instead of having the German fraud view of taking pleasure in people's misfortunes. Because when we reach that point of success, and we will reach that point, ladies and gentlemen, we would want people to laud us and thank us and not be resentful for us. So always remember, even if you're in a position of weakness or a position where you just feel horrible, you never know, fortunes can change. So we all want to be very positive toward people who succeed. Let's not be haters because that brings negativity and toxin to the world, and Lord knows we have enough of that. So let us begin with Confession of an Obese Child, number four, The Locker Room. I mentioned in number three, The Invisible Student, the discomfort associated with speaking in front of class. This unease was dwarfed by gym class. I attended a Catholic elementary school in Houston in the 80s, but my classmates were no altar boys. 
Back then, we actually had gym class, which is a foreign concept to many millennials today. I distinctly remember the dread I had going to gym class, in particular in junior high. In that age, you are in the throes of puberty, which in itself is uncomfortable, but it is especially so when obese. Yeah, so gym class, um, I don't think they do much of this anymore. Now, all in lieu of electives, because it's important for these uh, students nowadays to get their electives so they have a better chance of getting into college, that they've gotten rid of gym class. And this is just one of a thousand reasons why obesity is skyrocketing in America. I think that this generation uh, is more is more sedentary in nature, and I think a lot of this has to do with social media and with video games and this paranoia that the parents of this generation have that if they allow their kids to go outside, that they're going to be abducted or killed or murdered. When I was a child, most of the time, my family was just like, get, get out, just come back, come back at night, or don't come back at all. Now, it was very common back then just to let the kids roam around in the neighborhood and just come back at dusk. But now parents have this this fear, and it's largely channeled by 24-hour news coverage and the nightly news, which their motto is, if it bleeds, it leads. So when you watch this news, you are put in this fear of paranoia because nothing good is ever the lead on news. It's always this rape, this murder, this fire. And so unbeknownst to you, it puts you in this state of worry and that you think the world is full of horrible people that are going to come and kill you or abduct you or your house is going to burn down. So you have parents now just tell their kids to stay home. And also they just put them on social media and iPads because it's just easier, and I don't blame them. It is easier just to put your kids on iPads. But we have to think of the long-term ramifications of this. There's numerous studies that show that social media is causing the kids to have a shorter attention span. Uh, They have less cognition. They're in a perpetual state of vigilance and therefore stress. Not to mention the blue light coming out of the phones is burning out their retinas, causing macular degeneration, causing insomnia because the blue light suppresses melatonin and so forth and so forth. So I would definitely recommend that your children get out and play. They need sunlight. The sunlight helps the immune system. The sunlight stymies obesity. The sunlight is an antioxidant. You've got to get that vitamin D, so get out. But back then, we had gym class. Let's resume. The worst part of it was changing clothes. We had a pretty small changing room. My goal was to pick one of the corners of the room, have all my clothes set up, and when I felt the least amount of people were looking or if there was some sort of distraction, I would quickly change. This method seemed to work most times, but time and time again, if the bullies were having a bad day, they would take it out on me. So we had a very small gym. um, I'm sorry, we had a very small locker room at my school, and it was pretty much the shape of a rectangle. And so I would go to one of the corners, and we only had a 45-minute period, so you had to go in and change within 10 minutes. And it was quite awkward because I was really fat. And I'll explain in a second what exacerbated this. The typical taunting was exacerbated by, how funny I said that word twice, was by my choice of gym clothes. Since I was morbidly overweight, I didn't wear the school monogram gym clothes since their extra large was too small for me. Our school colors were red and white. My mother, however, alas, couldn't find any red shorts in my size solely bright pink ones. Therefore, I was the constant butt of gay jokes and fat jokes for wearing this attire. So, 
I will mention this later. I had to get my clothes at big and tall stores, including the gym clothes and the uniform. So I had to get regular red gym shorts. I couldn't find them in my size. So I had to go to big and tall and I ended up wearing these hot pink short like ABA, MBA, 1970s short shorts that literally were up to your butt crack. And I had to put those on. So what I would do, as I just mentioned, was just kind of look around, wait till everyone was changing, and then make my move. And this is something you're going to hear about in the swimming pool blog that's coming up or confession that's coming up, is that you had to time it perfectly. And you had to pick a corner. A lot of the boys would just, you know, change in the middle of class, no big deal talking, shooting the SHIT with each other. But the nerdy kids or the I don't know, the geeks, the freaks would be in the corner and you just wait and you wait and you look around and you're like, go, do it. And then you would try to change your clothes, you push your pants down, take off your shirt, put on everything on really fast. And then you should turn around and hopefully nobody noticed you. However, a couple of unique traumatic instances are seared in my psyche. We had a yearly scoliosis test. Now, scoliosis is a lateral curvature of the spine. This is quite common in adolescence. For most people, they possess a scant memory of having to line up against a wall shirtless and wait their turn to bend over to check for lateral curvature of the spine. For obese people, time slows down like the tastiest of maple syrups on their chocolate chip pancakes. It was excruciating having to be so exposed with my protruding belly and hips while people snickered. When it was my turn to bend over, I would hear the fart sounds. When I would walk, people would yell, Earthquake! Which was very common. So, But once a year, we had the Scully test. And we all had to line up shirtless and wait our turn. And I, I suppose some... I doubt it was like an orthopedic surgeon. Maybe someone from the orthopedics office would come and you would bend over and see if there was a lateral, lateral curvature. Now, again, for most people, this is no big deal. You're just talking or whatever. Uh, but for me, it was exposed because the whole point, and just like my previous confession, invisible student, fat people, we do not like to be exposed. We want to kind of lurk in the shadows and kind of blend in. And so when there's any occasion where we can't do that, it's very anxiety provoking. So the idea of lining up against a wall like I'm some suspect after some homicide was very disconcerting to me. And so I'd wait my turn, wait my turn. Of course, everyone's looking around, making jokes, not only at me, but other people. And it was just very awkward. But that was not as bad as some other things. Another issue was my odor. Due to my morbid obesity, I, it was, I was difficult. It was difficult for me to wipe my buttocks upon defecating. This is a little graphic. I'm sorry for this. As a result, I was prone to chafing in the genitalia and anus. My mother would apply diaper rash cream daily, which had a unique odor. The kids at school knew about this and ridiculed me for it. I could see why, for I was a 13-year-old wearing diaper cream applied by my mother. Yeah, so I had this, this unique odor that was part diaper cream, part feces, part sweat. And it, it, it was very awkward. Again, it's one of these things you take for granted, but um, when you're overweight, you can't always reach over and do what you need to do. And so I was kind of like, you know, like a, like a toddler, you know, you're not, you're learning how to, to wipe the buttocks. But perhaps the most memorable experience was when I was changing 
that a kid yanked my shorts away before I could put them on. He yanked them to see how many quote-unquote regular people could fit inside my shorts. The answer is five. Five kids could fit into my middle school hot pink quasi-gay looking shorts. On many days, the bullies would just take my gym and regular clothes away from me. So I would be standing with only my underwear while the whole class laughed. You might be wondering where the coach was during this time. That's a great question. Well, coach had a little office in which he remained for 10 minutes while we changed. So before I continue, um, it, it, that was a horrible experience. You know, I have a lot of memories, but that is probably the most horrible memory to have your clothes stripped from you. And I'll mention this in the swimming pool confession, how the kids, once I was in the pool, would, would pull away my bathing suit completely because coincidentally, uh, the my swimming quote-unquote trunks were the exact same hot pink XXX large shorts that I was wearing at gym class because I couldn't find uh, big and tall swimming trunks. So in the pool, they would just pull them off completely and I was naked. Uh, here, I don't remember them pulling off completely because I was able to fight them off, I guess, to the point where the coach would come out. But on more than one occasion, they would take all my clothes and just say, oh, Fat Albert, there's Fat Albert. Hey, hey Fat Albert. Ha, ha, ha. During that intermission, it was true anarchy in the locker room until the coach came out. When he did come out, it was one of those occasions where the bullies took off all my clothes. He would tell them, knock it off, and return the clothes. They were never punished. I didn't have any recourse, for I couldn't leave the locker room essentially naked. Coach was unsympathetic, and I didn't have the courage to ask for my clothes back. And this is something that comes up later on when I talk about gym class and when I talk about the swimming pool and the bra and all these things in, in future confessions is, did I fight back? No, I didn't fight back. At the most, I would say, come on, guys, or stop, or I would cry. I never really stood up for myself. And I think I did that because I didn't feel like I deserved to be stood up for. I felt that I was low and dirt. And it was my lot in life to be picked on. And I just deserved it. Going back to the coach, in retrospect, I felt that the coach was probably a popular kid in school and likely bullied kids as well. So he just thought, boys will be boys. And this is something that I see reoccurring. You know, there's like this solidarity among popular people, uh, regardless of the age or sex, where they just kind of have this, this understanding that, you know, you're part of the crowd, you're a cool kid. And when you're not part of that crowd, then uh, you feel isolated and alienated and, and you, you, they just kind of wink and just let whatever happen, happen. Now, could I have reported the coach or these students uh, to the administration? Yes. Did I ever do it? No. I just internalized like a lot of fat people do. Went home, told my family, and ate a lot of food. And just waited 
for the week to end so I can get to the weekend. And each day was a struggle. I'd go home and the one thing I looked forward to were my three frozen cheese enchilada dinners and watching G.I. Joe and the Transformers. And uh, that's all I looked forward to. It was just one day after another of that agony. What can I say? It is difficult to spin these stories into something positive. I can say that such torments made me a more compassionate person as an adult. Perhaps it did. Or perhaps it just stays seared into your consciousness forever. I'll choose the former. I like to think that this experience, along with others, makes you more compassionate to outsiders. And it makes you a stronger person. But honestly, sometimes I don't know. You know, this was 25 years ago, and I still have memories of this. And just even even reading this affects me. And if you are in a position to stop people from being bullied, you should do it. Because that's, that's a sign of true character, is being in a group where groupthink takes over. And if the group think, a majority thinks it's okay to hurt somebody, pick on somebody, spew vitriol at somebody, it takes somebody with greater character to tell the group to stop, even if there's going to be repercussions for them to do that. So that is the end of Confessions of an Obese Child Number 4, The Locker Room. It is a pretty short confession, but I feel it to be impactful. So I would appreciate it if you could post some comments on the actual blog at integravita.com or even better, post a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this. I would appreciate that. Give me one star to five stars. You don't have to write anything or you can write something, whatever you like to do. And as always, I do want to mention that I would love to interview people who went through similar experiences that I did. I am open here for you. So please contact me through the website. I would love to interview or just share me some of your stories. It would be great. So uh, this podcast is a little more subdued than the previous two or three. But I hope that you will continue to listen to this podcast and refer others to it. And uh, the next one's a little bleak, but then we get to some of the more enlightening ones uh, and, and some with a little more levity. Uh, I, at this point, this is February 7th or so, I have 12 confessions on my website, and so we're only recording the fourth. So some of the upcoming ones that are pretty funny are the my pizza-eating days as a competitive pizza eater. That's a pretty fun one. Um, the bra is pretty funny. The bicycle seat's pretty funny. So there's some funny ones coming up. But this one is a little wah-wah Debbie Downer. So that's all I have to say. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Try to eat well. And I will incorporate more wellness stuff in the future podcasts. Things that you can do, steps that you can take, if you're needing to lose weight, to lose weight, or even just optimize your health. I have a lot of articles that I've already posted in this last month up on the website. So if you click under articles, you can read some of those about um, superfoods and prebiotics and probiotics and keys to sleep and a lot of these things that will help you lose weight. 
That's all I have to say. So God bless. Take care. And I will hear, hopefully I will come back and you will listen to one of my future podcasts. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.integravita.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. See you next time.